It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 24th, 2013. We're glad that you're part of the program tonight. Look forward to your comments at 877-381-4567. You can also send your emails to questions at collegeview.com and join in the chat room to the right of your viewing window. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me on the program tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you, as always, on Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Look forward to being with you every Thursday night and look forward to uh, hearing from our listeners as we study God's Word. And uh, we always have an interesting discussion, regardless of the topic, and I think tonight will be no exception. I think uh, think it's an, an, an important topic for us to discuss. We've mentioned it before on the Virtual Bible Study, but it's been a good while since we talked about the subject of forgiveness. Now, when you say forgiveness, Jacob, there's a couple ways you could take that. One way we could talk about forgiveness is God's forgiveness toward us. Correct. But tonight we're talking about forgiveness between one another, Okay. how we ought to forgive each other okay. and, and our responsibility to do that. So yes. it, actually, you know, when you say that, I think it sounds like oh, that, that's a really easy subject. That's a really simple topic. I believe when you dig into it, it is one of the more... Uh, sort of complicated topics right. that are found in the scripture. It's not as that. easy as it appears on the surface, at least. I agree with that. I, I th- and, and and not only is it difficult, it is crucial and fundamental. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. It's difficult. I think that all the truths about how we are to forgive one another are difficult to grasp. Then, of course, it's also very difficult to put into practice. Yes. All right. Let's, so, uh, let's talk about it, and you ask some questions to get us started. That's right. As always, we send out to our update list about noon today the subject we're going to be discussing and, the, and some questions for your consideration and feedback. We've got a bit of feedback. We're looking for more. We keep getting requests to be added to our mailing list, which is great. And if you're not on the list, we want you to be. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and yep. just say, add me to the list. Here's right. what we sent out earlier today. Number one. How important is the matter of forgiveness? And what are some scriptural reasons why we should be forgiving? Number one, okay. Number two, we are told to, quote, forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, Ephesians 4.31. So we're to forgive like God forgives us. Ooh. So what do we know about how God forgives us? That's a high bar. Yeah, so, but I mean, there's the pattern. Okay. We're supposed to do it like he does it. All right. So there's the pattern. So we want to talk about what we know about how he forgives us, therefore put that in practice toward one another. Ouch. Number three, if we forgive someone, does that necessarily remove all the consequences associated with the wrong that has been done? Uh, Maybe give an example to illustrate if you can. Number four is closely related to it. Number four, if we forgive those who sinned against us, would it be wrong for us to continue to expect or demand justice? For example, someone has killed my loved one. They Mm -hmm. asked me to forgive them. Mm -hmm. If I do, should I lobby the government for clemency toward the guilty person? All right. Number five. Turn the coin over. If I'm the one who has done the wrong, what things must I do in order to obtain forgiveness from another? In other words, Mm -hmm. if I've wronged you, what do I need to do? In other words, you need to forgive me. What do I need to do in order to obtain that forgiveness from you? Right. Number six, a a listener, uh, in fact, I'll even name it. It's our friend Chris in Atlanta, sent in a scenario. He he found a a reference on uh, uh, a church site. Where a man described, I won't go into great details, but the, the basically a man had cheated on his wife. Mm-hmm. She found out about it. He asked for forgiveness. She forgave him. Mm-hmm. What she didn't know was that he continued to be unfaithful to her. Yeah. He, she never found out that after she forgave him, he continued to. to so he, he asked for forgiveness, but he didn't repent. Well, uh, I don't know about that, but he continued. But his question to the preacher was. He, he he ultimately had a change of heart, realized mm-hmm. he shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. His question to the preacher is, do I need to tell my wife? Mm-hmm. In other words, do I need to tell her that I kept on cheating? Right. And um, 
the answer, it's kind of a long one, but the answer that the preacher gave was basically, and quote, unless there's a reason that improves your wife's life by telling her, I suggest that you keep this between you, God, and someone you fully trust to never tell another person. When you truly and fully repent, your wife will notice the change in your behavior and the change in the way you treat her. That's what's important for your marriage. Okay. So this preacher uh, said, no, don't tell her. All I'll, right. I'll I think that's an important question. Chris was quite upset by that explanation, and I, I'm rather disturbed by it as well. We'll talk about that. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com, and you'll want to join in the chat room tonight. If you're not already signed in, do so by following the instructions at the bottom of the chat window. We look forward to hearing from you in one of these three avenues tonight. As we talk about forgiveness on the program. How important is the matter of forgiveness? We don't have to look very far in the scripture to find out just import how important it is. Yeah, and and uh, we've got emails. We're looking for your comments in the chat room or by email or by phone call. Uh, Ramona in Texas sent us just some simple passages of scripture that prove it important. Uh, Acts 1042, uh, he, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's not really about forgiving each other. Uh, but you've uh, got to have forgiveness. and so Yeah, we've got to be forgiven yeah. by God. Okay. Uh, Matthew 6.14, she mentions, is very uh, important. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It goes on to say, if you don't, he won't. Yeah. So uh, Ramona says, yeah, it's very important. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Ramona. And Chris in the United Kingdom tonight says, without forgiveness, we aren't accepted by God. If we want to be Christ-like and he could forgive those putting him on the cross, what reasons are there not to forgive? Excellent point. Thank you uh, for that, Chris. All right. Chris in Atlanta says, forgiveness is a matter of salvation. You know, uh, we hear that expression. We've even commented before about this is a salvation matter. That's not a salvation matter and so forth, which is, I think, kind of a you know, flawed way of approaching things. Yeah. But if there ever was a, a matter that affected our salvation, our willingness to forgive others is clearly one of those. Ramona mentioned Romans, or excuse me, Ramona mentioned Matthew six fourteen. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Chris mentions the next verse, verse fifteen, Matthew six fifteen. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Yep. So as Chris says, it definitely is a matter that affects our salvation. And Steve uh, is in Michigan now. He says he's not in Vermont. He's, uh, so uh, he's uh, in Michigan now. Uh, it's cold either place. If you're in Michigan or Vermont, you're still cold tonight. And Stephen, we're glad that you're listening and that you joined in. He says, I was interested in weighing in on tonight's topic, seeing as this has been one of my struggles. I'm interested in hearing your response. I have been taught when I was younger to always be forgiving, but was never thoroughly specified as uh, as a willingness to forgive. When I would look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15, I would see the command to forgive all men and would think that I had to forgive everyone for everything, even if they weren't Christians. When I spoke to a brother concerning this, he asked, what are you trying to do more? What are you trying to do more than God? In other words, only God can truly forgive sins and give us salvation. So, if I forgave them, what would be the benefit? What I failed to realize was that I was not harmonizing God's word. All right, and we're going to save his, uh, some more of his comments for a little later. We're going to see talk about how God forgives. Yeah, and I think that's what that Stephen is going toward. There is how God forgives and what would be expected of us in forgiveness. So we'll, we'll, we'll expand on his email a little right. bit more. Anthony in uh, Columbia says, Forgiveness on the part of the individual Christian is of paramount importance. After all, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us. Matthew 6.15, 8.35, James 2.13. Other than this reason for practicing forgiveness, we also know it will improve our efficacy of our spiritual giving. Matthew 5.23 and 24. Okay, good, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony, for that. Uh, so we talked about, is it important? Certainly it's important. What are some scriptural reasons? We've touched on those. Bottom line, it's commanded by God. I mean, it, it, you, you really wouldn't have to say any more than that. Mark 11, verse 25. We get that. Mark 11, verse 25 says, with what, uh, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Mm-hmm. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Okay. There's Mark's account of those words. 
So, yes, absolutely necessary. We furthermore have the example of Jesus, our Savior. He's the perfect example in all things. He certainly had a forgiving spirit, uh, was anxious and ready to forgive others. We would do it to be like our Lord and Master, Jesus. We should do it. I think other motivations, scriptural reasons why we forgive is when we stop to realize how much has been forgiven us. Right. In other words, if, if you came to me, Jacob, seeking my forgiveness, if I would realize how much God's had to forgive me, mm-hmm. it should be easy for me to forgive you. Right. You know, so a, a knowledge or a comprehension of, of our own uh, need for forgiveness uh, is certainly there. Uh, and we simply won't be forgiven by God if we're not willing to forgive others. Looking forward to hearing from you in the chat room tonight, which appears to be quiet on my machine at least. And I uh, look forward to your comments on the phone and on email tonight. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's the easy question we had in our well, list, Jacob. Well, okay. uh, I think, the, I think the, the next one is a fundamental one, though. Question two. We, we're going to move right on into that. We're told, this is Ephesians 4.31, forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, we're to forgive like God forgives. Mm-hmm. So how does God forgive? What are the characteristics of his forgiveness? And so we ask for help with that. If you're in the chat room... Let us know your thoughts. How does God forgive? We're yeah. to forgive just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Amazing, amazingly high bar. Well, uh, and Ramona says, forgiveness is undeserving. Matthew 10, verse 8 is her reference on that. Forgiveness is undeserved. Uh, forgiveness is costly. It cost God to forgive us. That's good. Forgiveness is permanent. The Lord will remember our sins no more. Forgiveness brings healing. She references Psalm 103, verse 12, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And forgiveness takes sin seriously. The Lord will take care of it. Romans 12, verse 9 is, 19 is her reference. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. All right. I think those are all good. Thank you, Ramona, for those comments. Chris in the U.K. says, to be concise, use the acronym CUFF, C-U-F-F, like the cuff of a shirt. Okay. I always think of it with this verse. Complete, unconditional, freely, and forever. Interesting. I I got a little problem with that. I don't think God's forgiveness is is unconditional. I think God's... Forgiveness if. is quite conditional. Yeah, there's ifs. You know, if, if it was completely unconditional, then we would be taking the universalist view that all people would be forgiven and, sa- and thus saved. Yes. So I would have to, I'd have to disagree with that, with that acronym, Chris. Think a little bit more about that. God's forgiveness, certainly when we get it, it's complete. He's made it free. Uh, it will be, and it is a forgiver thing. Once we're forgiven, yeah. it's not called to membered skin, but it's yeah. not unconditional. Maybe Chris could clarify. I think Chris is in the chat room. Maybe Chris could clarify on that unconditional, what he meant uh, by that. Um, well, and uh, Chris in Atlanta, the Chris's are sort of uh, on the same page tonight. Chris says it is complete, undeserved. Maybe, maybe that's that, a Maybe one. there's yeah, the, there's there you the U in your acronym, yeah, Cup. It, instead of unconditional, make it undeserved. Ooh, complete good. and undeserved. Yeah. And then Chris goes on and says it's merciful and something you can depend on. Okay, All right. good. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Stephen says, like the plan of salvation, we don't get the full plan from just one verse. Therefore, if I did not harmonize on the plan of salvation, I would believe that one must have faith only to be saved, which is misleading. When I harmonize God's word on forgiveness, I see there's condition of forgiving another brother who has sinned against you, Luke 17, 3 and 4. And the condition is repentance. Therefore, if they're not willing to repent, then we're not to forgive them. Some signs of repentance include godly sorrow, clearing one's name, avenging of wrongs. One who avenges their wrongs at the minimum is willing to apologize and seek out another's forgiveness with whom they were, by whom they were wronged, or who they wronged, I guess. Uh, furthermore, if a brother is not willing to apologize, then that alone is sinful, and they're not seeking to be reconciled to their brother. Okay, so I think Stephen is on to something there, that God forgives, re- requires us to seek his forgiveness in order to be forgiven. Along those lines in the chat room, John in, in Edmond, Oklahoma says, Some say we can only forgive if we are asked, therefore suggesting that there are times when we cannot forgive. Oh, I think John is really on to something that I think is a key thing here. And I think it is one of the main misunderstandings about the topic of forgiveness. Yes. Uh, I, I think the idea is that you can't really forgive someone who doesn't desire to be forgiven. In other words, if I poked you in the nose, and, and but I wasn't sorry I did it. In fact, given a chance, I'd do it again. 
then what's, how can you forgive me for that? Well, we need to take a break. But I've got to ask you the question. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do when he was hanging on the cross, and they had not asked for forgiveness. Jesus, did he forgive without their asking and seeking forgiveness? Let us know your thoughts in the chat room. Did Jesus forgive unconditionally? Real quickly, we'll get one more answer here on the way God forgives. Anthony says, continual, unending, open to everyone who obeys, and predicated upon repentance, confession, and prayer. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Did Jesus forgive on the cross unconditionally? Did we follow the same practice and example in our life today? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. All that a man does outwardly is but the expression and completion of his inward thought. Therefore, to work effectively, he must think clearly. To act nobly, he must think nobly. You cannot escape the results of your thoughts. You will become as small as your controlling desire or as great as your committed priority. Man, I wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and we welcome you back. And uh, if you uh, have not checked out our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find audio archives of every program we've presented on the virtual Bible study since uh, 2005, and uh, you know when you go to these shopping websites, uh, they sort of they like to tell you what other people are searching for and other people are shopping for. And if you're looking for something to listen to, you might be interested in what other people are listening to. We've got a program that's on fire right now. A program uh, from uh, earlier this uh, from last year, May 3rd of last year, 2012. A homosexual activist attacks the Bible. That program has been downloaded over 40 times per day, it looks like, on average this year so far. So getting a lot of attention for that program. You might want to yeah. listen to that one. I think that's a that's obviously a hot-button topic This because it's becoming more and more uh, in the liberal agenda to push uh, homosexuality in our culture. Uh, in, a, in a note from Chris in the U.K., he mentioned the, the inauguration in Washington and the man who gave the benediction or the opening prayer of the inaugural ceremonies. He mentioned about gays, but he didn't name Jesus Christ. Yeah, that tell you something about our culture. So yeah. uh, we'll talk more about that as time goes on. No doubt. Uh, but anyways, if you would uh, check out our audio archives, you can also sign up for a podcast uh, and get those downloaded to your iPhone or smartphone or pod. Uh, Cast listener uh, service, whatever you have there, uh, you can sign up for that on our website as well. Look forward to you checking out our podcast, and you can give us comments anytime, questions at collegeview.com on anything you hear on any past program. We're talking about forgiveness on the program tonight. Before the break, we asked the question, did Jesus forgive unconditionally? Did Jesus on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, does that mean that we should automatically forgive those who sin against us without any condition. Is that what Jesus was doing In other words, on the if, we're to for, if we would forgive like Jesus forgives, or would we just do it without any any request so, or action on the other person? So you, uh, you use the illustration of punching me in the nose, and, uh, well, I should, as soon as you withdraw your fist, uh, forgive. Well, I think actually the answer to that is no. That's not exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't forgive them unconditionally. Okay. To those very people... Mm-hmm. who were responsible for crucifying him. If we turn to Acts 2, yep. we see the first gospel sermon being preached to those people. And Peter said, therefore, Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, you don't have to do anything because Jesus forgave you unconditionally. Yes. 
That's not what he said. That's not what he said. Obviously, we remember verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so the expression of Jesus, forgive them for they know not what they do, means that Jesus wanted a means of forgiveness to be made available to these people. God made that available, but it was not an unconditional forgiveness. Right. They still had to seek the forgiveness. And this goes to the comment uh, that John made in the chat room when he said we can only forgive if we're asked. Yeah. Uh, and it suggests that there are times when we can't forgive because the people who've wronged us don't want to be forgiven. And he goes on, he says, I think Jesus' example is the key to understanding. We should always stand ready to forgive and seek the forgiveness of the offender uh, just as Jesus did. However, in order for God to forgive, the person must truly repent. God answered Jesus' request that was made on the cross when he forgave 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost, those who repented and were baptized. He goes on and says the same could be applied to the case of Stephen, who prayed that the deeds of those who stoned him be not laid to their charge. And so, again, Stephen was willing to forgive as well. So appreciate, uh, John, for adding those good examples. I got a list here, some things I put together about the way God forgives. I think it dovetails real well with several of the comments that have already been made. Just let me give you my list, Jacob. First of all, we're to remember Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, Forgive as Christ, as God in Christ has forgiven us. We're to forgive like God forgives. What, what do we know about God's forgiveness? First of all, he's willing to forgive. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9, God is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God wants to forgive. We need to have that attitude. In other words, you wronged me. I need to want to forgive you. I need to be ready to forgive you, willing to forgive you. So I think people confuse the idea of I'm going to forgive irregardless. If I, okay. With the idea of I need to be anxious, ready, willing to forgive. And so I think instead that, of the attitude, I'll forgive if I have to. Yes. If they put me on the spot. Or maybe I won't forgive no matter what they do. Yeah. I, I can't have that attitude. I've got to be ready, willing, anxious, desirous to forgive. That's the way God is. But God's forgiveness is not unconditional. Um, he, he makes it possible for us to for, be forgiven. Romans 5, 8, God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, but he, his forgiveness is certainly conditional. Uh, John eight twenty four. if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. God's not going to forgive us if we don't believe in Jesus. Luke 13, 3, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. God's not going to forgive us if we don't repent. Uh Romans 10, verse 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. He's not going to forgive us if we're not willing to confess Jesus. And, of course, we've got to be baptized as a condition of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, clearly, God's forgiveness is conditional. And I think that we're taught that our forgiveness, almost by definition, is a conditional thing. Jesus said in Luke 17, 3, if your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If. It's in there everywhere. Yeah, it's right there. Uh, so, again, we got to be willing, anxious, ready, desirous of forgiving the ones who wrong against us. And if they repent and seek that forgiveness, I mean it happens fast. We, yeah. We're not holding anything over their head. We're not, we're not, you know, trying to make it hard. We're trying to make it easy. That's what God does. God makes our forgiveness easy. Right. If we'll meet his conditions, they're easy. All right. But we got to meet the conditions. Um, of course, one more thing I would add about God's forgiveness is, and uh, uh, several of our emailers already said this, he forgives continually all, again and again and again. First uh, John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's no limit on that. But there's that condition again, if. Uh, but notice that Jesus thought that we should be like that too. Peter, you know, Matthew eighteen twenty one, beginning, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said to him, I say not to thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Of course, that's, we believe, to mean just unlimited. Uh, you know, just keep on forgiving when they meet the conditions of forgiveness. All right. Uh, along those lines, uh, Stephen in uh, Michigan says, uh, therefore, uh, he says, throughout the entire process, 
We are not to sin by holding grudges at the erring brother. Instead, there always needs to be a willingness to forgive, and in that is love. We must remember that God was willing to forgive us, but is not willing to forgive if we aren't willing to be obedient. So Stephen echoes that, that we need to, to mirror what God has done for us in um, his forgiveness. In the chat room, guest 579 talked uh, about forgiveness and forgetting. He says they coincide. Uh, that is, once we do forgive, we should forget as God would by, I will remember no more, uh, Hebrews 8, verse 12. I believe that is where the concept comes from, and that we should practice that when we forgive. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, the, the idea of God's forgiveness being permanent. Uh, in Hebrews 10, beginning verse 16, of course, this is a quote from the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. This was the co- This was the promised covenant, the covenant we live under. God said, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law and laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And I think that is where the concept of forgive and forget comes from. Once we've forgiven, there's no use bringing that up again. That's a done deal. All right. John says, even if someone sins against us repeatedly, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Luke 17, 3 and 4. And again, that would mirror God's forgiveness of us. Yeah. So Thank I, you, John. I think, we've, I think we've got a pretty good handle on that. Now, Having said that, the, the concept needs to be grasped, but putting into practice needs real effort. We need to be prayerful about it. It's a difficult thing. And Chris in the U.K. says, what I was saying, uh, trying to say here earlier, and as I submitted via email, some people get upset when we say we should forgive folks who ask for it and repent. I think their hang-up is that they feel we are saying we have to hold a grudge against someone until they ask for forgiveness, and that is not the case. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Just because I'm not forgiving doesn't give me the freedom and the liberty to hold a grudge. Exactly. That And that, that's sort of a, a secondary issue. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, again, forgive like God forgives. Well, that's, as you said several times tonight, Jacob, that's a high bar. But remember that God, God's forgiveness happens only when we seek it. Yes. And, and so... My forgiveness to one who wrongs me can really only take place when that one who has wronged me comes seeking me, seeking my forgiveness. Yes. And and so uh, the idea that we just forgive and, you know, no matter whether people are sorry or not, no matter whether they've asked for forgiveness or not, I, I think that's a mistake. I think that's one of the great misconceptions about the Bible concept of forgiveness. And it probably goes to that point that you brought up earlier, Jacob, when Jesus said, you know, uh, forgive them for they know not what they do, some people assume that means he forgave them unconditionally, but we can prove clearly that it wasn't. All right, we need to get on to the next question after the break. Uh, if we forgive someone, does that remove all the consequences associated with the wrong that has been done? We've got uh, answers from that uh, from our listeners, and we want yours in the chat room and on the phone and on email as well. Does forgiveness remove consequences? Do we have to make sure that uh, all consequences are removed? Real quickly, we got an email from Randy in Michigan who references the seven times question that Peter asked and Jesus saying 70 times seven. And then he taught the parable of the unmerciful servant uh, who was forgiven. You know, I think that's a great parable. Matthew 18, beginning verse 21. Jesus, it, it was instigated by Peter asking the question, how often shall I forgive my brother? Um, and and Jesus said, well, till seven, you know, not till seven times, but till seventy times seven. But then he went on to tell the parable of the unmerciful servant. This servant was owed his master a huge sum, and the master forgave him when he asked for it. Then that same fellow went out and found his fellow servant who owed him just a little and wouldn't forgive. Yeah. And and then the the master was wroth. Uh, over that situation. God will be angry with us after he's forgiven us so much. He'll be angry with us if we're not willing to forgive those who wrong us. All right. Guess 269 says, what if a person doesn't know they sinned or wronged you and then you treat them with distance or disdain? That's not the pattern we see in Matthew 18. And reference you to Matthew chapter 18, beginning of verse 15. If someone has sinned against you, don't treat them with distance or disdain. Exactly the opposite. Treat them with closeness. You need to go to them. 
and uh, confront them uh, about their error. Yeah, Jesus said, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. In other words, and I think that's an important thing. I, all too often we know of situations where people feel they've been wronged, but they just they just sort of hold it in. It sort of festers into a, 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 a very grievous thing in their heart, and they never did tell the person. The person who did the wrong may not have really understood the wrong he did. Whereas if it had been brought to his attention, he could have addressed it. We need to talk about that thing you did to me so many years ago that I've been. Yeah. yeah, yeah I never that. talked to you about that. Yeah. And I, we got to talk. Hey, let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll take your comments. Uh, what about the consequences of sin? Are those things removed when we forgive? 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. How often do you pray? How long do you pray when you do pray? Have you ever given much thought to these things? As Christians, we're commanded to be a praying people. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So it's clear that we are to pray. But how often and for how long? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 and following says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Without ceasing must be understood to mean something less than every moment of every day. If that were the case, there would be no more time for other commanded things, teaching, singing, eating, working, and so forth. But without ceasing places a real challenge before us as we evaluate our personal practice in the matter of prayer. Test yourself on any given day, count the number of times you pray. Then add up the total number of minutes you spent that day in prayer. You may be shocked at how little time you've given to this important matter. Two or three prayers a day for a total of five or less minutes hardly seems to fulfill the command to pray without ceasing. But here's a problem. If I'm to pray more frequently and for longer periods of time, what will I pray for and what will I pray about? Here are two suggestions. First, thank God for all your blessings, physical and spiritual. That'll take a while for sure. And then secondly, pray for all your brethren. It might help to actually take the church directory and pray for each one who's listed there. Just these two suggestions will prove to us that when we pray as we should, it's going to take some time. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Better yet, come and worship with us. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. We would welcome you at any of these services. If you have any questions about what we believe or what we practice or anything you've heard on a recent edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we encourage you to contact us at any time. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We mentioned those downloads. You can check out the audio archives. One of the top programs last year downloaded over 5,000 times was from back in 2007. An open forum. Wow. That's interesting. Just a generic program was downloaded that many times last year. All the way from back in 2007, that brings up a good point. Is we can uh, accept your suggestions for topics. Yeah, we, we've got a, we, we, keep a, we keep a pile of questions that come in by email. When we get several that would kind of uh, fill up a, a program, we... we do sort of a smorgasbord or open forum program, yeah. and we'll have one of those before long. So I'm get sure. yours in the stack for that, or maybe you've got a topic that will work for a whole hour, as Chris did, suggesting this topic on forgiveness. So send those topic suggestions in, and we can include them in a future edition. Okay. All right, we're going to move on to our the, the next part of our question. If we forgive someone, does that necessarily remove all consequences associated with the wrong that has been done? Well, uh what about that? Uh, John in the chat room says, my mom didn't think forgiveness did away with consequences. Me saying I'm sorry did not remove the swiftly approaching spanking. Oh, well, okay. So he, he, he references his childhood. I'm sure he deserved it, though, John. Yeah, I'm sure John deserved that. But nonetheless, his, his, his illustration is, you know, it doesn't, doesn't always remove consequences. Yeah. Uh, Maybe she should have done a little bit more of that. <laughs> Uh, Ramon, let's see what Ramona says in Texas. Ramona in Texas says it does not necessarily 
remove all the consequences. Uh, he says a man, she says, a man who drank for many years and asked for forgiveness, he may finally get cirrhosis of the liver, knowing that that was the consequences of his sin. Or a promiscuous person may get a sexual disease in the future. That may be the consequence. You could be forgiven and still bear the consequence. John says, while God forgave David regarding his sin with Bathsheba, God still took the baby from David and Bathsheba. Also, David's household was divided as a result of his sin. There are consequences that forgiveness simply will not remove. Okay. Uh, Chris UK says, salvation came to Zacchaeus' house, and so you could imply forgiveness, and he still remedied the amounts of money he gained unfairly to those he stole them from. Zacchaeus mentioned that he made right the wrongs. Uh, I'm not sure that would address consequences so much as repentance. Yeah. That when you when you wrong someone, you have to make it right. So, uh, but I'm not sure that's the, the the consequence example. But it certainly shows the the that we make right the wrongs as a part of repenting of those wrongs. All right. Uh, Chris says, no, if my wife cheated on me, we divorced, I remarried and forgave her, our marriage would still be over. Since I remarried, I would not be able to divorce my second wife unless she also committed adultery. We can be forgiven, but it does not necessarily take away the consequences of our actions. Okay, Okay, Chris, thank you for that. All right, and uh, Anthony here in Columbia says, definitely not. For example, if we forgive someone of murder, the victim is still dead. If we forgave someone of adultery... Uh, perhaps there's still a, a child born out of wedlock and the difficulties associated with that. Perhaps someone has been so untrustworthy, uh, despite repentance and forgiveness, we just can't trust them anymore. The examples are numerous. Okay. You right. know, I again, I'm, I'm going to draw on that point that we were making earlier, Jacob, that we need to forgive like God forgives. Uh, I've got an example from the Old Testament, Numbers 14, beginning verse 19. Uh Moses was requesting that God forgive the people. After You remember when they sent the spies into the promised land mm-hmm. and the spies came back? They all said it's a great land, but 10 out of the 12 said, no way, Jose. There's, there's no way we can take it. Yeah. The people are mighty. The cities are fortified. We're grasshoppers. And so God was angry with the people. And Moses interceded to God on behalf of the people. And he said, this is Numbers 14, verse 19. Pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according to thy greatness, uh, the greatness of thy mercy. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Consequences. So God forgave, but he, he still let them deal with the consequences of their lack of faith. Uh, and so I, I believe that would set a pattern that no consequences are, are are not always removed by free. sometimes they are yeah. but not always and so you can't say you know I, i've known people who said if you forgive someone that means to restore them back exactly back to the position that they were in before the the wrong was committed yeah. for instance a husband and wife chris just gave an example sometimes it wouldn't even be possible right uh but let's say that you work for me jacob and one of your jobs was that you ran the cash register in this business. You took the money in. Okay. And after some time, I, I'm, I'm figuring out there's money missing here. Oh, right. And and I, I finally... I didn't, I didn't do it. I finally figured I out you it. did do oh, it. Oh, I... Uh, and and, and when, when, when I confront you with the fact you've been stealing from the business, yeah. you say, oh, I have. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. So i got to forgive you. I mean, you've sought forgiveness. Right. And you've requested forgiveness, okay. so I've got to forgive you. Does that mean that I've got to put you back in charge of the cash register, handle the money, put you right back in the same role? No. Not, I don't think so. No. In fact, that likely would be the unloving thing to do. You weren't able to deal with that temptation the first time. I'm going to put you right back in the temptation yeah. spot again. Right. So I, I would answer that, that just like God doesn't always remove the consequences of our sins, we, and several examples were cited, Neither must we necessarily always uh, wipe out consequences that may follow the wrongs that people have done. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. You you asked Uh, uh, asked some more questions. Yeah. yeah. A a follow-up to that one was, if we forgive those who sinned against us, would it be wrong for us to continue to expect demand justice? For example... Someone's killed my loved one. Uh, they, they are found out. They're arrested. They're 
and they're prosecuted, or they're about to be prosecuted. They asked me to forgive them. Okay, so here's this murderer. He murdered my wife. He's been caught, and now, even before the trial comes around, he's remorseful, and he seeks my forgiveness. He contacts me through channels and says, please forgive me for murdering your wife. Yes. Do I have to forgive him? Well. I think so. I mean, he sought my forgiveness. I've got to forgive him. Yes, yes. Would that necessarily mean that I would then say, well, okay, since you've asked me to forgive you, I'm going to go to the authorities and beg them to apply clemency in this case to forgive you, I mean, to forego the consequences, because the consequence of this is you may end up in the electric chair. Right. And I'm going to try to mitigate that. I'm going to try to keep that from happening. You've sought my forgiveness. Therefore, I want you not to be prosecuted in this case. What do you think about that? Well, let's see what our listeners say about that. Ramona says, you have forgiven him, but the person must still pay for the consequences of sin. And I think Ramona would not be indicating that I'm personally going to make him pay for the consequences, but there's still going to be consequences that have to be endured as a result of this. And my example may not be perfect, because in a case like that, a capital murder case, the state's the one who's doing the prosecuting, not me. Right. Maybe a theft, and you found out about the theft, and the person said, forgive me. Yeah. In a case where I have an option to prosecute a wrong, would I be obligated to not do so? Chris, in your case, that would be hard. It wasn't my life they took, and if the state had already started proceedings, then it wouldn't matter anyways. Also, is the sorry genuine, or for the sake of getting off the full extent of the consequences? Of course, if they are your brother in Christ, and you should have been taking him to court in the first place. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Chris, no, this is Chris in Atlanta. He says, I do not think it would be wrong to expect justice, but if you wanted to lobby the government on their behalf, I don't think it would be necessarily wrong to do so. I think that's my position right there. You could if you chose to, but you wouldn't be expected to. He says, I personally know a preacher whose sister was murdered by her husband. He was convicted and sent to prison. Later on, he asked the preacher to forgive him. The preacher admitted that it was very difficult, but he did forgive him, and I believe he did try to help his ex-brother-in-law get some type of leniency. Okay. Anthony in Columbia says, the civil government has the authority and obligation to punish evildoers. There is no scriptural requirement that I can find for a Christian to demand civil clemency for someone who has committed a crime against them. However, it would certainly be up to the victim to petition the government if he or she chooses, or perhaps it may be that you decide not to press charges. That would be up to the individual. I think this gets more to the true definition of forgiveness. In my estimation, there is a fair amount of misunderstanding around just what forgiveness is. It seems to me that biblical forgiveness is more about the person who committed the wrong than it is about the victim. Forgiveness is our obligation to the perpetrator if he or she seeks our forgiveness and repents. True biblical forgiveness requires the sinner to repent and ask the offended for forgiveness. If we are to obey the scriptures, we must grant that forgiveness for the sinner's benefit, not ours. Totally separate from forgiveness is our right to, in our own mind and heart, choose not to hold a sin against someone. This is completely separated from actual forgiveness. I can mentally choose to release someone from wrongdoing for my own peace of mind, but cannot grant them forgiveness unless they seek it. I like that explanation. I think that works. Back to the earlier part of Anthony's comment there. Civil government has a job that's separate from mine. If this person murdered my wife and asked for my forgiveness, my job is to forgive them. The prosecution of that is the government's responsibility, and God has given them a duty to perform. And that duty is beneficial to society. When the government fulfills that responsibility of punishing a murderer, then they're doing what God told them they're supposed to do and providing a value to all of us who live in the civil society. And so I think those are separate questions, and I don't think it would be wrong for me to say, well, I still think the government has to do its job in that case. All right. We need to take a break, and when we get back, we'll talk about – We're going to flip the coin over and look at the other side. What do you need to do to get forgiveness? All right. And also, what about this guy who's been cheating on his wife? What about that? How does he get forgiveness of that? Does he need to tell her? 
Let's hear your thoughts about that. And if you're in the chat room tonight, uh, there's a lot of chatter. It's a good discussion going on. We're not going to be able to get all those comments. And uh, Chris in the U.K. is in the chat room. It's almost 3 o'clock in the morning. And wow. i got to compliment Chris on his uh, coherence there. He's making a lot more sense than I would. Way to go, Chris. Uh, so we're glad that he's listening uh, on the other side of the ocean tonight. And we look forward to hearing all of your comments. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Less than 18% of Americans say the church is the friendliest place in town, a recent survey reveals. The low number indicates that what is generally considered to be one of the safest havens in the world isn't seen as all that friendly by most Americans. Even among self-declared Christians, less than a quarter named the church as the friendliest place. Churches fall behind restaurants, pubs, and sports bars when it comes to favorite places to meet new friends. Only 16% named church as their favorite place to make new acquaintances. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in James chapter 2, beginning verse 2, If there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come within also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, are ye not then partial in yourselves? For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. Welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're being friendly here, and they're being friendly in the chat room. We appreciate the good chatter there. We appreciate the participation in the program tonight. We talk about forgiveness and what is involved. And we, as you mentioned, we're going to flip the coin here. We're going to go to the other side of the story here and ask if I've been the one who's been uh, perpetuating the wrong. What do yeah. I do? Question five that we sent out to our update list earlier today. If I'm the one who's done the wrong, what things must I do in order to obtain forgiveness from another? Yeah. What well, do you do? We've, we've come across some verses that already suggest that. Uh, uh, Ramona says it may be necessary to offer some form of acknowledgement, apology, and or restitution, or even just ask for forgiveness in order for the wrong person to believe himself able to Forgive. Mm-hmm. So she says, you ought to at least ask for it. Yeah. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says, First uh, John chapter 1, verse 9, and bring it before God. Okay, so he's, he's thinking to get God's forgiveness. Get God's forgiveness, come. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, interesting there, again, back to our, co- our bottom line concept, Jacob. Forgive like God forgives. What does God want us to do? Yeah. He wants us to ask for forgiveness. Right. So if I've wronged you, and you're trying to forgive like God forgives, then I've got to confess my wrong to you. God expects me to confess my wrongs to him when I've wronged him. If I've wronged you, then you have a right to expect me to confess that to you and ask your forgiveness. Yes, okay. All right, Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, I must repent and ask the other person to forgive me. As part of the repentance, I would have to try and make right what I did wrong if possible. For instance, if I spread lies about someone, I would need to try and get the truth out to as many as I could that heard it. Now, uh, many may disagree with me. But from the standpoint of someone who has been sinned against, can I forgive someone who has not repented or asked me to? We talked about this earlier. He says, I, be- he says, I believe I most certainly can and should. We see Stephen in Acts 7, verse 60 do this. 
Well, we won't we won't go back on that that we covered that earlier. I I, I almost never disagree with Chris. I'd, I'd have to disagree with him slightly there. I don't think Stephen was asking for unconditional forgiveness any more than Jesus was asking for unforgiveness unconditional forgiveness when he said forgive them they know not what they do yeah if 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 we are to do that we'd have to show that god practice it practices yeah. unconditional forgiveness we don't have any example yeah of that. that's right so again a, a rare case there where i'd slightly disagree with chris on that all right and uh uh anthony in columbia says simple uh the answer to your question about how do you get forgiveness is simple humble ourselves repent and ask the offended person for forgiveness thank you anthony uh you know back to a verse that we brought up earlier uh, Luke 17:3. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And so, one of the conditions I'd have to meet if if I've wronged you, Jacob, and I and I want you to forgive me is I've got to repent of that wrong that I've committed. Uh, and you know, again, it's not unconditional. God's forgiveness of me is not unconditional. My condition, my forgiveness of another is not unconditional. If it's sought, if the person who's done the wrong repents. If they, if they confess and seek that forgiveness, then yes, absolutely. I, now, I need to be ready even before they come to me. As we said earlier, i got to be ready and anxious like God is ready and anxious. But that doesn't mean that it's just automatic. All right. Uh, we'll go to the phones, and uh, we'll welcome Bill uh, to the line. Uh, Bill, welcome to the virtual Bible study. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling in tonight. I just had a question uh, in to discussion that, Give someone maybe not remember that anymore. My question really is, even though we put on armor, isn't there fiery darts? Isn't there trials the Bible talks about that at times certain things, sin is going to be hard in our life uh, overcome? So my question is, isn't it hard to, at times for us to, to forgive the way Jesus forgive? We're not, not Christ. Uh, we can become like Christ. Um, So you're, you're basically saying, Bill, just just to sort of address the question of, uh, I think we oversimplify that when we say forgive and forget. In other words, you're saying sometimes it's hard to forget. Sometimes it's hard to really put that behind. That's a trial of temptation. Amen. Uh, and I agree with you. I think you're exactly right on that. You know, in that quote that we used earlier from Hebrews 10, verses 16 and 17, where God said, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. We, we're probably not putting a right interpretation on it when he says, I won't remember the sins anymore. God remembers. I mean, if you ask God what you did at 1042 in the morning 16 years ago, he could tell you. I mean, he, 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 he's capable of all recollection. When he, when he used the expression, I'll remember them no more, he meant... I won't hold you responsible for them anymore. I won't. Yeah. I won't hold you. I, I, I won't hold you guilty and bearing the burden of that anymore. And so, you know, I, I, I'm with you, Bill. I think sometimes uh, some wrongs that we suffer, someone sins against us. If they seek our forgiveness, we're obligated to forgive them. But I, I think it's an oversimplification to say forgive and forget. That it. I think it, I can lay in bed at night, night, and, and I can be persecuted. As a Christian, even though I've strived and 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 cried and and asked to, to to forgive individuals that have persecuted me, and still have that that trial. Yeah, you're still. Uh, you, in other words, it's it's still on your mind. It, amen. Even, all right. I think you're right, Bill. I, I agree with you on that. Thanks for calling us tonight. Bill, Bill where are you call where are you calling from? Thank you. I'm Kyle Lapeer, Mission, Michigan. Randy Sturgis got me to call in. So. Oh, great, great. Tell Randy we said hey. How cold is it tonight in Michigan? That's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Appreciate right. the, uh, you know, the broadcast, you guys. Thank All right, you. Thanks, Thank Bill. you for calling in. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, and in the chat room, there was a request to read Anthony's definition of forgiveness. Uh, let's let's look at that again. And, and it was well stated. Uh, thinks that he thinks uh, that uh, whether or not uh, you decide to... Uh, Press charges would be up to the individual who says he thinks this gets more to the true definition of forgiveness. In my estimation, there's a fair amount of misunderstanding about just what forgiveness is. It seems to me that biblical forgiveness is more about the person who committed the wrong than it is about the victim. Forgiveness is our obligation to the per- uh, per- perpetrator. perpetrator. I missed that again. Yeah. If he or she seeks our forgiveness and repents, 
True biblical forgiveness requires a sinner to repent and ask the offended for forgiveness. If we are to obey the scriptures, we must grant that forgiveness uh, for the sinner's sinner's benefit, not ours. Uh, Totally separate from forgiveness is our right to, in our own mind and heart, choose not to hold a sin against someone. This is completely separated from actual forgiveness. I can mentally choose to release someone from wrongdoing for my own peace of mind, but I cannot grant them forgiveness unless they seek it. Well said, Anthony. I like it. All right. All right, real quickly, uh, we're just about out of time, but Chris in, in Atlanta had sent me this scenario yes. some time back, and I've been saving it for a discussion like this. He found a website from a, a conservative church uh, and was bothered by the response. Uh, the, the scenario was basically a man cheated on his wife. Right. She found out. He asked her to forgive him. She did. But what she didn't know was that subsequent to that, mm-hmm. he was unfaithful some more. Right. And But then he had a change of heart, and he, he really felt bad about it and wanted to know. He, he was asking the preacher, do I, do I need to tell my wife that I cheated on her again? Right. right. And a rather long answer, but the bottom line was the preacher said, unless there's a reason that improves your wife's life by telling her, I suggest that you keep this between you and God. Mm-hmm. And and Chris was, I think, rightly disturbed by that answer. I'm disturbed by that, too. I, I just don't think that works. All right, let's see what Ramona says. She says, if he does not come clean with her, the guilt may consume him. He must tell her or she may find out another way, and it would be maybe the hardest thing that he's had to do. If he does not, he will never have peace. He must also repent. He must humble himself and put his full trust in God that God alone will forgive and fix the situation and that the relationship with his wife will be restored. Ask the wife to Pray with him and get some counseling, she says, an exclamation. All right, Christian UK says he needs to tell his wife as that isn't something that should be kept away from her. And also, what would that change What would that change of heart actually stand for? In other words, if he had a change of heart, why would he not want to tell her? And Chris, who submitted the scenario, said, yes, he would need to confess to his wife. He not only sinned against God, but he sinned against his wife. He made a vow to God and his wife to be faithful, and he broke the vow to both. Therefore, he would need to confess to her. All right, and Anthony says... Uh, yes, he must tell his wife. Infidelity is a direct violation of the vows he took on his wedding day, and such a violation is a sin against his wife and obviously against God. I think that's key right there. Mm-hmm. In other words, he sinned against her. Right. Therefore, he has to go to the one he wronged. Right. Even though she doesn't know it yet, she he wronged her, and therefore he has to confess right. that wrong to her in order yeah. to be forgiven by her and God. I'm trying to think of an Old Testament example. Not, uh, yeah, he, said, he says, he goes on, yes, he must ask God for forgiveness, but he's also wronged his wife and must seek her forgiveness through confession, just as he would need to do in any other case of offending someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stole your cow. Yeah, I was thinking about But you didn't even know it. Right. it was you, you had these cows out in the back 40, and there's yeah. about 30 of them back there. Yeah. I snuck in there one night, and I stole your cow. I thought that was a coyote. No. That was well, you? It was me. Oh. But see, you didn't know it. Oh. You didn't know I mm. did it. Would I be all right then to keep the cow and right. never tell you right. that I had stolen from you? Yeah. No. I've, I've got I've to come clean with you. I wronged you. I've got to make it right with you. That's what repentance would involve. And so this, this repentance, in other words, God expects me to repent. Right. In order to be forgiven by him for stealing your cow right. or for cheating on my wife or whatever. Right. Therefore, I've got to tell you right. because that's part of repenting. Right. And I've got to make restitution for the wrong I did. Okay. All right. Okay. I think that, I, th- I would agree with Chris. That's a, that's a quite troubling answer coming from that preacher. I would seriously disagree with it. John says adultery is a sin against the wife as well as against God. However, this goes back to the concept. Consequence discussion. While he may have had a change of heart, he may still lose his marriage if he confesses. True repentance requires the proper fruit, even if the consequences are extreme. Thank All you, right. John. Great. All right. We're, We're just out, out of time. time. Boy, that, that, we, we, we just got it in under the wire, Jacob. We did. But uh, it's been a good discussion, an important discussion, maybe an overlooked discussion. Yeah, I think so. so. All right. Uh, Larry's been behind the board all night, done a great job. Thanks, Larry. Good thank job. Thank you, Larry, for being here. and. Uh, Thank you, Dad. Larry's our newest operator. And a flawless operator, I must admit. Very good, Larry. Very good. Uh, Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. We hope you've benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We encourage you to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.